Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the New Slant Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Newbeck. This week, our podcast being brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online. So, thank you, as always, to our, our friends over there for keeping our lights on during these tough times. With me, as always, overwhelmed with news about both the Sixers and the Eagles. Most of it bad, some of it good. My buddy, my pal, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how are you? I never thought during the quarantine I would have this much newsletter content. Just it really so is much incredible. Gone. And then like the Philly schedule. I haven't even talked about the Phillies yet because I was supposed to tomorrow, but now I'm wondering if I have to do the Deshaun thing again. I, I wrote about Deshaun yesterday. Um, but, I mean, we're obviously going to get into that, and we both have thoughts on it, but it's just very, very strange time. Philadelphia is never quiet when it comes to sports. When the Sixers had the worst team in the history of – professional sports they were somehow the most talked about team not in the city but maybe in the country so par for the course here well and then like the union today came back and we're not yeah. gonna it's not gonna be a soccer podcast and i thought they that well, was we're an really... argentine soccer podcast yeah. not uh, an mls podcast and they had a really excellent i thought um you know unified team stance like they all they all kneeled but they also wore the names of men that were killed last names of men that were killed at the the hands of police victims of police brutality i thought that was a a nice touch as we prepare for an nba where all their messages are going to be very generic so that was that was good to see them the way they represented philadelphia in that way um but before we get to some of the more fraught issues in the world uh the i guess the first thing we have to talk about this week was uh, joel Embiid. I don't want to say he broke his silence because, like, it's not like we've been around these guys and he's been intentionally walling the media or the public out or anything. But Joel Embiid finally spoke to reporters for the first time in a while. Is the first time we got to, you know, connect with him and see what his thoughts are. I guess not just on the NBA restart, but how he's been doing, if he's been staying in shape, et cetera, et cetera, and. The thing that jumped out the most was his quote, or I guess his series of quotes on the bubble. So if you're listening to this and you somehow have not read or heard what he said yet, I'm just going to read some of it right now. So Joel was asked about what he thinks about Orlando. He says, quote, I hated the idea. I feel like with everything going on, it's unfortunate what's been going on in the world. Obviously, people look at it in a different way. There might be some other reasons behind everything going on. But to me, that part never matters to me. All I want to be is stay healthy, stay safe, keep the people around me safe. 
I want to make sure I'm going to live for a long time and not have any sort of, I don't know, consequences in the future. Not a big fan of the idea, but then again, I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to let the city down. I'm going to go represent my city. That's what I've always done. My family, my teammates, the mindset doesn't change. And then he would later go on to, and we can present this as like a separate thing, I guess. He would later go on to talk about some of the reasons why, but I guess... Were you surprised at all by Joel's stance on this, Seamus? And I guess, what were you thinking when uh, you you heard him talk about this for the first time? Uh, I guess I was a little surprised in the sense that we haven't really had much Joe on social media talk, or he hasn't been kind. He's been kind of out of the public eye uh, for yeah. the last couple of months, just obviously because of the quarantine, but hasn't been super active or, or vocal about anything. I know there actually have been some people who were critical of him for not speaking up during the BLM movement, especially when people like Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and Mike Scott were. And I guess that's an entire different, entirely different discussion. Uh, but Embiid is always someone who speaks openly, speaks the truth, speaks what's on his chest, uh, what's on his mind. And, you know, I, I think the saying like, oh, I'm going to play for the city, blah, blah, blah. That is very Joe. But I guess I was a little surprised that he said that, but not that I blame him for it. Um, he has the right to be worried about his health and his long-term health and the health of his you know, family that he'll be interacting with eventually or in the bubble. We have no idea who's coming in there with him, if anyone. I, we really don't even know the specifics of the logistics yet, even though it's coming closer and closer and you know, be here before we know it. And I don't know. I, I respect him saying it. You look at someone like Kendrick Perkins, a talking head on ESPN who absolutely destroyed yeah, Joe. What, for a, saying what that. a jackass. What a fucking by the way. idiot that was. How can you not have someone better than him on there? It's not even like he's Skip or Stephen A. He's this takes master who's just phenomenally entertaining, even though he's saying bullshit. How is he on there? How is there no better ex athlete, ex basketball player to be on there instead of him? And it was basically a shut up and dribble, like just go play basketball sort of. It's the exact thing that these guys have been fighting against. And I guess for me, I wasn't surprised that he has misgivings about it because in our conversations with the Sixers players, I would say a majority have said, you know, not that they don't want to go, but they were uncertain about it, that guys considered – backing out and that ultimately what they rallied behind was hey look we're going to do this as a team I'm not going to back out if nobody else is and and like look I respect that part of it too like as someone who strictly played team sports growing up I was never like a tennis or golf guy I, I that is a very real thing especially for these guys that are traveling around the country and they see these guys spend more time with these guys than their family for a lot of the year sure. that that bond is real and so like i i genuinely respect obviously they feel like they're in some sort of you know they're in harm's way a little bit but they it means more to them to you know be there for their teammates and of course collect the check too but i don't i don't think that's the driving factor for no for anybody I mean, here patty mills oh yeah he I think is he donating all of his money? Yeah, the rest of his from, salaries, which is about one point three million, I think he's donating to, I guess, COVID causes. Yeah, that's so. That's is it awesome. COVID causes or is it uh, a BLM thing? Actually, let's check. Cause Cause I yeah, don't I don't, I don't get get that wrong. Speak. I mean, either way, both causes either way, are <laughs> worthy. 
Yeah. Um, it's to Black Lives Matter okay, and good. social justice we, causes. I'm glad we said that correctly. Yeah. So, but so that's a that's an awesome thing that Patty Mills is doing. Shows that obviously that the money is not. You can't speak for everybody, but it's not his. I think what surprised me about Joe was the degree to which he dislikes this, and that he came out and just said he hated the idea. Like we've heard guys express their uncertainty, but this was like a totally different level. It's a different type of feeling than we've heard there there have been i think every guy going down there except for you know maybe a small handful of guys has some level of doubt but i don't think anybody has spoken in stronger terms about this than Embiid did and so that opens up like a you know prior to this happening Seamus we talked about you know is Joel going to be in shape we talked about some of what people had been saying about him, Brett Brown lauded him. Josh Richardson earlier this week praised his conditioning. And so the the other negative side effect for Joel, other than like the Kendrick Perkinses of the world saying stupid shit, was that this then invited, I shouldn't say invited because this is not his fault. This opened this door where now all these people are trying to say, oh, well, he's not going to show up ready to play. He's going to be not in shape, not motivated, all this stuff. I like that's totally unfair. I, I think that's ridiculous. I, I think, you know, maybe he does show up out of shape or maybe he does show up and he mentally he's not all there. One, that's sort of understandable in this situation. Two, it doesn't mean that that's a product of his fear over, you know, not just himself getting COVID-19, but the impact on his family and his loved ones, et cetera. Like it could just be that, you know, there are no fans down there and he's not used to this environment. It could be that like this season just doesn't feel right. We have, these guys have, as we've talked about, have never been in this scenario before. So I, I don't want to go down this road where we're using something that's like a legitimate concern that he has that's about Joel Embiid the person and you use that to turn it into this like terrible sports talk radio type point where we're like oh well he's obviously he doesn't want it enough and he doesn't he's not a winner or any of that kind of you know fucking bullshit they're human beings that that's really that's That's what it comes down to they're human beings they can have feelings about whether they want to go to their job that's putting them in danger and I'm not trying to speak for all players. I'm sure there's some players who want to go there and get their money and try to win a championship. But it's it's in human nature to question, you know, authority, question your bosses, question whether they have your best interest in mind, your best long-term interest, your personal interest in mind. Dude, I have concerns about something as small as like going to the grocery store or like recently I moved into a new apartment. No big and deal to you. I've had... <laughs> And I've had to make trips to like, you know, a place like Lowe's or Ikea or for, you know, small little furniture things or tools or what have you. And you go there and you're once you're out in the public, you lose control of how people act. Now, some people are certainly following social distancing. They're wearing masks. They're showing respect for others and as we've talked about on here, I appreciate that and I sure. hope that people continue to do that. But there are a lot of people that are just acting like nothing's going on and that there's no risk for them, no risk for other people, and they just ignore all these new 
norms and customs that we're trying to establish. And so like you just apply that to going down to the NBA bubble as, so we didn't get to this point yet, but as Joel would go on to say, his whole thing is like, look, he's kind of a homebody. He stays at home, plays a lot of video games, hangs out with his girlfriend and his dog. He's not Same. like a big partier. And look, I, I big time respect that. I get it. But he doesn't necessarily trust all these other guys are going to do the same. There are guys that on the road go out and party or, or just don't want to be confined to their room. They're not happy doing that. And even that, like, I don't want to sit here and act like those guys are evil people for not wanting Certainly to not. sit in a, in a hotel room for potentially as long as three and a half months. I think as we all experienced during the, the lockdown period, it is not easy to just be at home and not really go anywhere for a while. But I think certainly if you just apply that logic to is this going to work or not, Joel has very justified and understandable concerns. Yeah, it's entirely reasonable. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, it's reasonable for any player to question this. And again, I'm not trying to speak for all the players in the league. I'm not trying to be that classic basketball Twitter holier-than-thou person saying, oh, this is egregious, this is egregious. How can the NBA let people do this? It is a business. and But the equivalent part of it being a business is that businesses frequently don't have the best interests of their employees and of the public in mind. Right. So aside from that, I think the only other like big noteworthy thing or like overarching topic that Joel got to during his interview was that he had a lot a lot of strong language about whether the offense should run through him and you know like questions that he had about the team makeup and every single one he sort of pushed to the side to say like there shouldn't be a question that I'm going to get the ball it's my time to to dominate and carry the team and you know he thought he was ascending in mid-March for that final push before things got shut down and he's ready to you know rediscover that form and that that passion that he was playing with and so it seems like he's coming back and you know in spite of all his concerns he still has the right amount of attention at least verbally we'll see about on from a basketball perspective he's got the right amount of attention on like the the competition of it all. And it does seem based on not just what he said and what his teammates have said that he's going down there with a belief that, you know, they can compete for a title. So I think people should hear that as much as they hear his concerns. Like people are allowed to be concerned and can still do their jobs well in spite of all that. Like those are the, the these are very fraught times we're living in. And I think we just have to, you know, let people speak their truth while still trusting that they'll continue to do their jobs. I feel like that's a good transition to the next topic. Uh, yeah, although I think we might want to take a quick ad break and then sure. we'll come back and we will talk about uh, the other big Philadelphia sports story of the week. So sports are coming back. And your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events are too. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or you can check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, 
and the Premier League. And I must note that Liverpool are the Premier League champions for the first time ever. No big deal to me or any of the other Liverpool fans out there. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or you can check out their daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. So visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. So as Seamus alluded to, the, the other big topic this week, it's come as no surprise that we will be talking about it, not Sixers related, but Philly sports related, uh, is Deshaun Jackson and everything that's been happening with him on Instagram. I guess if you've been living under a rock and somehow missed it over the weekend, he posted on his Instagram story a quote that is pretty obviously not actually something Hitler said, but was attributed to Hitler. It was an anti-Semitic trope about uh, Jews secretly blackmailing America to keep down uh, black people around the world. And, you know, a lot of the it's a lot of old anti-Semitic stuff that has been discussed at length elsewhere jackson then i guess it i never saw it originally like i saw it very late and then he started on i believe it was monday he posted what was not really an apology but said the basically said the jewish community took his post the wrong way and then posted a second screenshot where the only text he showed was saying that they will extort America, which again continues to be anti-Semitic. And I guess what's happened over the last few days is that he's gone through a series of apologies for this, but at least from what I can see, I don't know that he understands why what he did is wrong. Like, And, you know, I, I've struggled with this, Seamus, because I think if you were to ask me in my heart of hearts if Deshaun Jackson thought he was intentionally saying something evil or anti-Semitic, I, I don't think he was. Agreed. But I do think on the other side of that, there's been a lot of excusing of what he has said because of that. And, you know, it, it, it almost comes off as paternalistic where we're like treating him as a child that he shouldn't know. He's like a he's a 33 year old man who quoted who he believed to be Hitler, and some people are okay with saying, "No, oh, okay, well, you know, he's he's got a lot to learn and he is ignorant and it's fine." And like, I don't think that that's the right approach here either. And even post his serious apologies, he has now waded into territory where. He has liked posts from other people on Instagram saying that he had nothing to apologize for. There have been other Eagles players, including Marquise Goodwin. And why am I blanking up? Was it Malik Jackson? Malik Jackson said some bad shit. He basically said quoting Hitler should like invigorate a conversation, which is just. Right. So what the fuck is there are Seamus, if you want to like share what your thoughts are on this situation and then i can circle back on where i'm at on this it there is just a lot of there are a a ton of conflicting 
parties here and many of them are not acting in good faith, I don't think. Sure. So I discussed this in my newsletter today is Thursday, uh, yesterday on Wednesday. And, and as more stuff has come out with Deshaun and other Eagles players activity, I, I tweeted about kind of a, a short thread this morning. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon this week. And again, do, do I believe Deshaun Jackson is truly anti-Semitic? No. But it's just inexcusable as a 33-year-old adult to post something with Hitler without thinking that there was anything wrong with that, that there's no consequences that come with that. I will say, though, that originally a lot of the people I saw jumping on Deshaun calling out, oh, something need, there needs to be action taken, there needs to be action taken for, you know, what happened to equality, that type of stuff was coming from people who were quite silent during the Black Lives Matter movement, people who, right. to me, felt like they were using this as an example, as a gotcha to the black community. When Deshaun, I believe at heart, was trying to convey a, a pro-black message, he just was doing it with maybe one of the worst people possible and Louis Farcon and then obviously that brings you on to Hitler, which is, you know, the number one rule on the internet is not to quote or post something from Hitler, whether it's actually all an authentic statement or not. So I don't want this to say, oh, and Shannon Sharp and Stephen A both had nice little rants on this on their respective talk shows where whether it's the Sean's comments or Stephen Jackson's follow-up comments, Nothing that these guys are saying in terms of their anti-Semitic spin should take away from, you know, trying to promote a pro-black a pro message or anything of value they have said during the entire period of civil unrest over the last month or two. Yeah, but again, that is, that's kind of the problem here, right? Yeah, but again, I am neither black I'm, nor am I Jewish. I cannot tell someone whether they are need to be offended or not in this situation. These are two communities whose pain and hurt has gone on for uh, millennia, and I am not in a position to tell them how to feel, how to how to react. If the Jewish community, if a Jewish Eagles fan wants the Eagles to, to cut Deshaun because of it, I am no position to argue with them. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's horrendous, and he really to me, hasn't shown clear remorse. His his video apology, his first apology was trash. Uh, his notes apology app was obviously written by a PR team, his agent, the Eagles comm staff, or whatever, you have you. And, you know, there's all that, you know, typical bullshit. Oh, they're going to get him into contact with, you know, local leaders in the Jewish community. Somehow Michael Rubin butted his head into this, like the way he just kind of is a tag along for every player, which was a turnoff to me. And Deshaun should be educated. I, I know I saw a post today that an, an Auschwitz survivor asked to take him there. Uh, Julian Edelman, I guess he's probably one of the most prominent Jewish athletes in North American pro sports right now, uh, asked to meet with him or go to a museum with him. Or I don't, I don't want to be misquoted, but something along those lines. And I think that's good. I think that's a you know a first step. But again, the like it's there's so many different factors of this. There's so many different wavelengths going on that it's impossible to kind of have a straight line conversation about it because there are people undermining the Black Lives Matter movement and taking attention away from the current issues of police brutality and civil unrest in this country as a gotcha on Deshaun and the Black community, while at the same time Deshaun's ignorance in this situation is unexcusable. Right. So. 
to your point, let's try to unpack this a little bit. I think the the number of factions here are important for us to to separate. Like you have the people, let's the good people here are and this there's no race, ethnicity, anything tied to this are the people that see the message for what it is as anti-Semitic and are criticizing him for that, not because they're trying to gotcha a black man who absolutely has spoken up about other issues previously, but because they see something wrong happening. And I would say, like, and maybe this is me being naive, this might not be the case. I would say that this is a majority of the people reacting to this. I think most people reacting to this story that are upset with him being anti-Semitic are doing so in good faith. And I think uh, the evidence of that is that there are not as many people as I think you would believe that are calling for him to just be cut. Like, I, I think there is an overwhelming sense of, at least from reading about listening to radio, listening, like watching people react to this, there's a sense of like, yes, he really screwed up, but they're not trying to cancel him or like end his career or any of this stuff. Like there is a an undercurrent of people that want him to better himself and by extension, better the people that look up to him and the people that are around him. Like I, I think this to me- I didn't get that vibe. Not, the, in terms didn't of get people, what vibe. I feel like there's a lot of people who want him cut from the team. The people want him getting cut from the team, whether, again, I don't want to stereotype a radio call listener, but just as someone who grows up in the city and, you know, someone who, not that I'm, who has a lot of white people and their social network of sorts, I feel like I have seen people calling for his job in sort of a. Oh, there are some. I'm way. saying we have to, like, parse out these. Groups, I feel like we're. Right? Li- yeah, but I think we're in such kind of an echo chamber bubble on this liberal slant of Philadelphia and sports Twitter that we're the silent or the vocal minority in a way where a lot of these people that are feeling this way aren't followers of us on Twitter or people we follow or things that we're saying. Well, I'm not basing this exclusively on Twitter. I'll put it that way. Like I, I try to keep in mind what people think on other social media platforms listen i like i have spent a decent amount of time listening to people voice their anger or you know discomfort on the radio the last few days and i do think there is a sizable chunk of people who are you know they are mad and or disappointed but do not want him to lose his job the point being that that is like that is one group then there's a group as you say Seamus that white people whether they facebook think he is should angry. be that he, whether you think he should be cut or not, there is a group of opportunists that see then that these are almost exclusively white people that you are using this as an opportunity to try to take down Black Lives Matter or black people generally. Like they're doing the exact thing that Deshaun is doing, ironically, where he's lumping all Jewish people in. They're essentially saying because Deshaun did something that was anti-Semitic and, you know, Stephen Jackson followed that up and there have been other guys that said some problematic things. This is proof of why Black Lives Matter is bogus and is a, a false movement and why black people are the real racist, blah, blah, blah. And that's just like these people are acting in complete bad faith. 
and don't deserve to be taken seriously, but are a group of people that that's a sizable chunk of America and of the discourse. And that's something that we have to be aware of. Then there's another element to this where like, and I say this with full awareness that I am a a white kid who grew up Catholic that is very far removed from this stuff. I, I do think that there are a lot of white people that have very little understanding of like, the nation of Islam and black Hebrew Israelites and their general belief system. They know very little about minister Louis Farrakhan. And there is an undercurrent of like people that follow that belief system or even adjacent to that belief system that don't necessarily see what's wrong in what Deshaun said. And so that creates this toxic powder keg of like, there are several competing factions here of like you had the people and maybe it's Deshaun, maybe it's not that don't believe he did anything wrong you have people who see what he did wrong and want him to learn you have people that see what he did was wrong and are only trying to attack him because of his you know because of his being a black man and because they can use this to degrade black people and the black lives matter movement and so i just think this is going to continue to get worse Unless or until Deshaun shows in some way that, you know, he actually has a handle on what he did wrong. Because I I still, I I think that is really, and I don't want to put all the responsibility on Deshaun, right? Like he's not responsible for racist white people trying to tear down Black Lives Matter because of his mistake. That is not his job to do that. It's not the job of any black person to do that for that matter. But in terms of this being a public controversy, I don't know how this goes away if this continues down this path where I I don't think people believe he's showing authentic remorse. And that is always the, that's always the issue. Like I, I think people are willing to forgive mistakes, even if they're big mistakes if they genuinely believe that the person who made the mistake is trying to make up for it. And so far it seemed more performative than it is like an authentic. And and like, you know, the thing that sticks with me is that he was able to talk to like, he had the owner of the Eagles is Jewish. The general manager of the team is Jewish. He's been able to talk with these people that, should have been able to help him get to a point where he's like gets his head around why this is problematic. And I think another thing here that we have to bring up is that, you know, I I think people when they hear the word stereotype, they always think it's like a an outright negative thing. Like it's something like awful to say and in this case they think it's like oh well we're saying that jewish people have power and how can that be bad but that's that's still a bad stereotype you know what i mean like there are stereotypes about other ethnicities and races that people would receive as positive in different ways but they're still stereotypes and they're things that need to be broken and done away with for us to move forward as people like i i just This is like a whole fucking can of worms that I don't know how you solve this. You know, I hope it doesn't get worse before it gets better as you as you believe it will. 
but I have no idea where this goes today isn't how I expected this to go. So really, it's a mystery. And I'm sure, you know, if this continues on, we'll be talking about it next week as well. Yeah, so I think we could probably leave it there. But needless to say, like, again, Seamus and I are not the end all be all authorities what are, what of we, anything here what we mean or what we're talking about or how we feel about this situation ultimately isn't the most important thing we need to be amplifying to me i believe we need to be amplifying both black and jewish voices here and how letting them kind of talk this out and people like myself and like kyle these you know white people non-jewish people people who aren't of color uh, need to step back and actually listen. I think that's a lesson we should have been learning over the last month or two and is even more pertinent right now. Right. And I'll, so I'll close by saying this because I brought up Steven Jackson's name. I think here's the important thing for people like you and I to do. You listen to Steven Jackson and even to Deshaun's thing that he posted as wrong as it was. And you try to understand that there. I, I believe where it's coming from. And Steven Jackson has said in his, I guess, quote unquote, defense of Deshaun that this is where it's coming from for him. If you can see that what they're really trying to accomplish there is to deliver a pro-black message. If you listen to them and are like hear what they're saying or trying to say at least, Listening to them is the first step towards getting them to listen to you about wh- why what they're saying is wrong, if it's wrong. And that's true, not just in this case, but in any other case. So, like, I like again, I can't speak for Jewish people who, you know, maybe one Jewish person wants Deshaun cut, maybe one wants them to stay and learn. To me, I think it like I think you have to start with trying to see if this is indeed about ignorance and whether this is redeemable or if this is a deeply held problematic thing that you know is not able to be worked through but you can only accomplish that by actually making a real attempt to listen and i think that's you know the number one lesson of this whole pandemic should have been to listen to each other more and to try to see where other people are coming from and that's really what matters at the end of the day absolutely so Moving on from that one, I guess uh, the only other big sports slash basketball related news this week has been related to teams are finally making it down to the bubble in or, or I I keep calling it a bubble. It's not really a bubble. It, they they say it's a campus environment. But imagine it's, if it was a bubble. <laughs> I they'd be in much better shape. I think if it actually was a bubble. Um, so teams are heading down. There have been several NBA teams, including the Milwaukee Bucks, that have actually, prior to Orlando, had to shut down their training facilities as a result of positive tests or fear of positive tests. And now that teams are down there, I think the big story, and I thought it was kind of ridiculous that it reached this point, the big story was that the meals that the players got when they arrived were you know they didn't look the most appetizing i can't speak to their quality the presentation obviously wasn't the number one priority but that took like a all the people who were trying to do this like ultra woke um well they can't do anything and that is like its own version of being 
paternalizing and saying that the NBA players can't make decisions for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And so I don't know where you fall on this, Seamus, but I thought that – I understand the that it didn't look like they were eating five-star meals Shut down the there Shut the fuck yet, up. But... It's fine. It's fucking – it doesn't look terrible. It's not fire fest food. I will say the one the one that stands out was – did you see the WNBA meals? I did not, so I can't speak to that. So there, I will say their combinations look like fucking dog shit. And why does that not surprise me? Yeah, it's it's not surprising, but not really our our place to. I don't know enough about all that to. I would agree to really get into it, but I think part of the issue right now is like these are, and I think Mark Stein and several other reporters talked about this on on Twitter this week, like. This is it's not going to be the meals they're eating for all of the bubble. This is very much like the first 48 hours they're there where they can only sit in their hotel room and have to be sequestered to a certain degree. And look like they're not eating. It's not like prison food. It doesn't look great because of how they gave it to them. But they gave it's like salad, chicken, pasta, fruit. Like that that's what these guys eat it, they might eat it at a higher quality level and they might eat it at like out at a restaurant rather than on a lunch tray on their hotel room bed but i, I thought the whole the whole conversation about it was just a little over the top which i guess everything is right now with no actual sports to comment on yeah i think we're just getting caught up in, in nothingness <laughs> it's like if this is where we have uh, reached as a a basketball community, that's it. Might be time for some people to log the fuck off and you know go outside or something. Wear a mask, but but go outside. Yeah, you almost set yourself up there. <laughs> the other part of it is, and I think, Seamus, you might have more to say about this than me because you were assembling the show notes before we got started, but like. The people providing these meals are essential workers who are probably getting paid not very much. They're putting themselves and their families at risk to get this I would do my job to... half-assed, too, if I was in that situation. It's like, dude, have a little fucking... Number one, use your brain. Number two, have some sympathy for the people who are actually being, you know, subjected to all this. Because, like, you can't, you can't be the sort of person who is shaming the nba for doing this and like oh well the players you don't want to subject the players to this blah 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 and then have no sympathy or understanding for like why everything's not going to be great and like the have sympathy for the employees that are actually working down there and and actually really at risk because i'm sure not all of them are as none of them i would say are as physically fit and healthy as a bunch of nba players so yeah we're getting the possible treatment if if that's a situation where they are contract the virus or become sick or anything along those lines yeah so i don't know man it's people are always looking for something to complain about and normally i don't like to just like beat up straw men like that but come on dude it's it's hotel room food they if they need to, if they end up eating, not like fucking Morton Steakhouse for three meals a day, I, I think these guys will be okay. Yeah. 
Um, so one last thing, I think, before we go. There was, I want to say it was by Tim McMahon of ESPN wrote the article uh, about the dynamic between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, that relationship is obviously very fraught right now because of uh, Rudy's, let's say, handling of the coronavirus seriousness and and all that. There have been a lot of, there's been a lot of reporting on that, but there was one line in this story in particular (laughs) that I wanted to highlight that I specifically sent to Seamus because I wanted to laugh with him about it. And here's what it is. Quote, it's also why the jazz strength coaches don't include upper body work in Gobert's weightlifting program. Knowing he'll get those reps in for the sake of shirtless selfie posts on Instagram. <laughs> so this is like a, a well-respected ESPN, well-connected ESPN reporter who's saying that the Jazz don't give Gobert upper body work because they know he's going to do it so that he can flex for the gram. He's a loser, man. He is such a fucking clown. He's a loser. Like, can you imagine that being said? Like, if you, Seamus, imagine for a minute that you were a good enough athlete to be a professional athlete. And, you know, you reach the point where not only are you in the NBA, but you're one of the best at your position. You win multiple Defensive Players of the Year awards. And an article comes out about you where it's revealed that a coach doesn't do something because they know you're going to do it just for the gram. How would you feel? Like, how much of a fucking clown would you Might need to look in the mirror and reevaluate shit. (laughs) It's like, oh, I just can't. I can't believe it. Now, I like, you know, at one point, I, I felt a little bad for Rudy Gobert for the torrent of criticism and hate he was dealing with. I felt bad earlier in his career when, um, you know, he cried about the all-star thing. And, you know, I, I thought it was a little over the top. Who really cares about all-star? But he there was like a lot of toxic masculinity tied to that etc etc but now i like i just i all that is just like dude fuck this guy he's like such a douche the (laughs) i cannot believe that's a real sentence knowing he'll get these reps in for the sake of shirtless selfie posts on instagram that's just fucking unbelievable donovan mitchell hates him too yeah so i don't like is donovan mitchell a uh an ally of the pod now like i don't know how to rule on that because I i don't like that i don't i don't like that well, so, but like, we obviously, I, I think Donovan Mitchell is corny as hell and have held that stance for They a year. both stink in terms of like their personalities and personas. I think, though, this is a case where the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So it's like a reluctant truce only in this context. And all the rest of the time, we can still call Donovan Mitchell a cornball. How about that? Is that better? Yeah. I don't know. Real out of, I don't feel like that word. I, I I strive away from using that word. What word? Cornball. <laughs> Any reason why? Isn't it? I feel like there's a racial connotation there. Is there actually? I, I think so. I yeah. think you just. 
I thought, hold on, origin of No, so corny. I get originate. that, but it's just like yeah, well, yeah. I so I think I thought cornball was just like an offshoot of con someone corny. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I've seen. Not speaking like with a hundred percent authority, but I've literally never heard that there was a racial connotation to it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, okay. If so that is the case, so you're so you're canceled. No. I'm calling him corny. Let's put it that way. And that is appealing to, that originates from making fun of country folk. So, Yeah, that's totally up my alley. I like that. So we'll call him corny. If indeed cornball has any kind of connotation, then I obviously take that back. But I was not aware of that, if so. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're learning today, Seamus. Maybe I'm learning since maybe we all need to learn a little bit more. That's true. And that's probably a good place to end the podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, leave us some five star reviews. Stay safe. Don't post anything anti Semitic and wear a mask. We'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Gold. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.